0: Hey everyone, happy Father's Day. Pastor Brenda here, and I'm excited to be with you this morning. I am going to jump right into our message because I have a ton of content to get through today, which isn't normally the case. I have probably three more pages of notes than what I normally have, um, but a lot of good things that I want to say today. So I'm going to dive right in. And the question that we are looking at today the thing that I want us to kind of focus on today, as it is Father's Day, is what is God our Father like? If you were to um, describe him in just a couple of words or just one sentence to a friend, to someone who doesn't know him and has never met him, how would you describe God? Have you ever thought of that before? Have you ever considered, how would I put this into words? without sharing your whole story, without a whole bunch of other things to support it, what words would you use to describe God the Father? How would you talk about him to someone who has never met him? And I feel like as we are sort of turning in the book of Matthew, we are taking this turn and we're heading into the Sermon on the Mount. I feel like it's really important before we head into that to stop and consider the Father, the God, the Father that Jesus knew. Because Jesus is presenting something new in the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking about a brand new concepts of the kingdom of God, things that were gonna kind of blow people's minds. He was about to go through all of these things and say, you've heard it said in the law like this, now I'm saying this. He's about to like really change things in the world around him, shake things up. But the reason that he was able to do that was because he knew the Father so intimately. And the reason sometimes I think um, texts like the Sermon on the Mount are difficult for us to understand and difficult for us to sort of get our head around and comprehend is because we don't know the God that Jesus knew. So we're going to take a sidestep here for a couple of weeks. And we're actually going to go back in order to go forward and understand the nature of God as he is revealed throughout scripture. So the story of God, the story of the Bible and all of creation is really the story of God revealing himself to mankind. It's the story of how we were lured away by a liar, by someone who spoke lies against the father, the the king of the kingdom, against his people and against the ways of his kingdom. The Bible says that the enemy is the father of lies, that he has been a liar from the very beginning. When he speaks, it is consistent with his character because he always lies. And we bought in to his lies. We actually live in a world that is filled with lies, but we serve a God who longs to reveal his truth to us, who longs to woo us back to the relationship of the Garden of Eden through his truth. And one of those things that's really hard for us to comprehend and get our head around is the truth of who God really is. And it's so easy sometimes to believe the lies, and it's so easy to look at what we see around us and the things that are happening in our life and question the character and nature of God. Unless we have a baseline truth, a baseline of what we constantly come back to and refer to and remind ourselves of when it comes to the character and the nature of God. Our story doesn't end living in lies. And when we are brought into the kingdom of God, our story becomes about how our loving father is always revealing truth to us, is always um, bit by bit, piece by piece, growing in relationship with us. I actually believe that there's a good reason why we don't you know, step into the kingdom of God and all of a sudden we know everything there is to know about God. I actually think it's God's grace and his kindness that he invites us into a relationship and he invites us to seek out the rich treasures of his kingdom to actually pursue and to seek an ever-growing and ever-changing relationship with him, a relationship in which he reveals himself in different ways to us. If you had asked me when I was a little girl what my father would like, was like, I probably would have chosen very different words than I would now. As an adult, as a mother myself, I see my dad differently. There are aspects of his character and his nature that I didn't understand when I was a little girl, and at times I thought that he was stern, and at times I was almost a little bit afraid of him, but I understand now as an adult that he deeply loved me, and that times of discipline or times when my behavior needed to be corrected or times when he was bringing truth into my life wasn't to harm me or to, to, to... take me off course or anything. It was actually to keep me on course. It was actually to keep me in the truth of who God had called me to be. And sometimes I felt as a little girl like that was harsh. And maybe it was. He was a man, right? He's not God. He was a man. And so, um, but the point I'm trying to make is as my relationship grew, as I grew, my relationship with my dad grew. And I would explain him or define him differently today than maybe I would have as a little girl. So God, our Father, pulls us close and restores, longs to restore the relationship that he had with us in Eden and to grow in an ever-increasing knowledge of who he is and an ever-increasing experience of his love for us. So from the beginning of time, God has been attempting and trying to reveal himself through many different ways and I wanna touch on just a few of them because I think it's important that we actually know the ways that God is revealing himself and has revealed himself throughout history. So one of the ways that God reveals himself is through Creation. The Bible uh, refers to the fact that, you know, how could we look at the, the glory and the majesty of the created things around us, the intricacy of human body and how it is formed in a womb? How can we look at those things and not see that there is a creator? Everything about creation points us back to the fact that there is a God who created all things, who is wise and all-knowing and, and has, um you know, the great... Ability and creativity to create incredible things. Creation speaks of God's glory and reveals his beauty to us. Another aspect where um, we see God revealed is through the human conscience, that even those who don't yet know the Lord have a sense of right and wrong. There is a general sense of morality in the world, and that actually is uh like deeply rooted in us to help us understand the nature of god and the nature of good and evil and the fact that we have a good good father god also revealed himself throughout scripture and especially throughout old testament times through the inspired words of prophets and teachers And we see this even through the New Testament, through people like Peter and Paul, who were inspired by the Spirit of God to bring words of wisdom to the church. And they understood mysteries in their day um, that had not been understood before. And I want to dive into one of those scriptures that will help us to understand this. It's in Ephesians chapter 3, and Paul says this. We're going to start reading in verse 2. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation. So Paul is about to to tell these people there is a mystery in God that he has revealed to us now. He's revealed it to me and I'm going to reveal it to you. As I've already written about briefly, he wrote about this in another book. In reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations. So no one has has understood this. This was not revealed, was not made known to people in other generations, as it has been now revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. The mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promises of Jesus Christ. So what Paul is saying is that there is something that began to be revealed after Christ, and that was this concept that He had come as the Messiah, as the Savior, not just for the Israelite people, but for everybody. That word Gentiles just simply represents everyone else who is not an Israelite. And so God, he's saying here, God has revealed to us this mystery that he kept hidden. There was something new that he was doing. But he kept it hidden and he he related to these these prophets and teachers who could tell other people about it and bring it into our world. God revealed three things through his anointed people who were prophets and teachers of his word. Ultimately, he also revealed himself through the person of Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus was the word, the word who became flesh and dwelt among us, that he was the image of the invisible God, Paul says, Um, and that when we behold him, we behold the glory of God. So there are things that we see in the life and the ministry of Jesus that are all just reflections of the Father God. When we look at Jesus, when we look at what he did in the gospels, when we look at his ministry and we look at miracles and healing, we see a revelation of the heart of the Father. Jesus isn't a different character than the Father. They actually are one in the same. Jesus is just became a flesh and blood revelation for us of the invisible God that we have not seen. Another way that God reveals himself is, is through his word, through the scriptures. He reveals himself to us through his word. And what I love about the word of God is that even though um, the word does not change, the word changes me. And so every time I open it and every time I read it, there are new revelations coming out of it for me. And I can read a scripture I've read a thousand times and find something new in it. Because even though the words don't change, they change me and they're slowly leading me into a deeper revelation of who God is. So then the next time I read it, there's something different for me to glean and different for me to pick up and is revealed out of the scripture because my heart is changing and my knowledge and experience with God is changing because of his word. Things change Are revealed to me and jump out at me from scripture that i never even saw like 10 or 20 years ago god is constantly revealing truth to us his word is alive and active it says it's actually working in us and there is more revelation to come it doesn't stop there the bible says that in the end of times Christ in his fullness will be revealed, and it will be revealed in us who we were always meant to be, and all of the glory of heaven and God's kingdom will be revealed. There is more for us to see and more for us to learn. It's going to be an an endless revelation of the character and nature of God, and I look forward to every single bit of it. Throughout scripture, God is known as a God who conceals things but encourages us to seek them out and to find them. In Proverbs 25 verse 2, he says this, it is the glory of God to conceal things but the glory of kings to search them out. God's not playing a cosmic game of hide and seek here. It's not, you know, like he's trying to be funny by keeping things from us. And I don't believe that he actually intentionally would keep anything from us that would be good for us to learn. But in his wisdom, he chooses in bits and pieces, layer by layer, to continue to reveal to those who are seeking to know who he is. And finally, he reveals himself today. And from the day of Pentecost, he has been revealing himself through his spirit that was unleashed really on mankind. The, spirit, the Bible says that the spirit is, is like shone abroad in our hearts, like there, he's been poured out in our hearts so that we can have a deeper revelation of who God is. The spirit comes, he convicts us, he encourages us, he leads us into all truth. He reminds us and brings us back to Jesus The Spirit of God is always revealing the character and nature of the Father in our lives. And when the Spirit and the Word come together, revelation jumps off the pages at us. It's like the Spirit breathes life into the Word and it becomes alive and applicable to our daily lives. That's how God works to reveal things to us here in our age today. I want to read another scripture from... Um, This is Paul again. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and this is a a little bit of a big chunk. I'm going to start in verse 6, but I want to read to you what Paul said about the revelation of the Spirit. He says, We do speak in a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of the age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom. A mystery that has been hidden, there's that language again, a mystery that has been hidden, and that God designed for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen and no ear has heard and no human mind has conceived what God has ins- what things God has prepared for those who love him. But these things are revealed by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak about, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept these things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolish and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Now, I know that was a mouthful, but I wanna jump into this a little bit because I actually fully understand what Paul is saying here at this point of my life as a pastor and a communicator and a teacher of the word. I long to be able to pick something up off of the scripture and reveal it to you in a way that you can understand mysteries that have been hidden from you, answering questions that you have and doubts and fears. I want you to know the God that I know. I want you to be able to understand what I have seen and has been revealed to me by the Spirit. I want that for you too. And so in the same way as, as Paul was saying, you know, the spirit teaches us and we're revealing mysteries to you. Listen, I don't have a lot of human understanding. I don't, I don't consider myself a really smart or scholarly kind of person, but I know Jesus and I've been with him. And I want you to know the God that I know. I want you to experience his love in the way that I have experienced it. I can only reveal to you what has been revealed to me by the spirit and the word by reading the word of God and allowing the spirit to breathe life on it and make it alive and applicable to me. Once I have learned it and applied it and I have a good understanding of who God is, then I can teach it. I can't just get up here and preach Bible with empty words if it's not alive in me. I need it to be alive and active and working in me before I can reveal it to you. And there's this this idea of, of... God being revealed still today through anointed teaching. And we have to be careful because I know there's a lot of stuff out there and there's a lot of people who can, I could say the wrong thing. I could totally let the wrong thing come out of my mouth. And sometimes when I, um, you know, look at me here, keeping my Kleenexes handy because I don't ever get through a message without crying. But I could come to a place easily where, I look back on a message and I go, wow, you know, five years ago I preached this message and what, what came out in that message is not the same way I would say it today because my revelation of God has grown. My experience with him has grown and so I would articulate it a bit different. That doesn't mean that the heart of the message is wrong. It just means I would say it differently. But we have to be careful in our world. You know, God says there will be false prophets. There will be people who will speak things to lead us astray. And so we want to be connected to people, though, who inspire us. And when they speak, when their words hit our hearts, it resonates deeply with us. And we go, Yes, that is the heart of God. I get it. And I understand him more when I hear that kind of speaking. I've walked with God a good long time, but I'm still learning and discerning and discovering new things every single day. I still have a lot of questions, just like you, and I still have a lot of doubts and things that, that I read in scripture that I don't understand. I still have a lot of questions, but I know enough to know that God reveals himself to those who seek. And so I'm actually okay to sit in the balance. I'm actually okay to sit in that space in between and and look at scripture or even look at the situations around me and go I don't understand this, but I believe that God is good. This doesn't look good, but God is good. This doesn't this doesn't I can't see God in this, but I know he's there. Like I have this baseline for my life. And I've been seeking to know God more and more and more. I'm not gonna give up and walk away because I have questions. I'm actually gonna push in because I have questions. I'm gonna go deeper and closer to his heart because I have questions. (laughs) Because I have things I can't reconcile and things I don't understand. I wanna come close, not pull away. And that is the heart of God for us to seek things out. God reveals himself to people who are seeking. And we see this all throughout scripture. If you look for God, if you desire to know him more, he will reveal himself to you. He will. I feel like he leans in close to those who are seeking him and applying what they learn to their lives. Let's look at a few scriptures that say this. This is just a handful from the word. Jeremiah, 29 verses 13 and 14 say this you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart I will be found by you declares the Lord I will bring you back from captivity excuse me (laughs) Jeremiah 33.3, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. If you need to know things, if you need wisdom, call on me, seek me. I long to teach you things from my word. Hebrews 11.6 says, those who had faith enough to believe that God exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Matthew 7, verse 7 says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, would give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? Listen. God doesn't turn from you or hide from you when you seek him in faith. He rewards your diligence. He rewards those who seek him. And he responds by faithfully revealing more and more and more of himself. If you want to know more about God, seek him. What are you setting your time and your affection on? Are you looking for him in everything, every day? Or are you just setting aside 10 minutes and go, I'm gonna seek you then God, and then I'm just gonna go about the rest of my day. I know what Paul meant when he said, I pray without ceasing. It is this this open heart of going, God, I want to see you in everything. I want to dialogue with you in everything. I want to see you revealed in everything. So I'm constantly going to ask and I'm going to seek and I'm going to diligently seek that I would know you more. That that is faith to be able to stand in that gap and say, I don't understand and I have questions, but I want to know you more. It's going to draw me closer to you, not push me away. That's an important aspect of faith for us to, to discover in those, those scriptures because at times in our walk, we will have doubts and fears. There will be times when we feel like God is distant. There will be times when it seems like our prayers are not being answered. There will be times and situations around us are hard and we have questions and we don't know how to answer them. These are all normal drifts of the human soul. These are all normal ways that we are sort of, that we drift away or we're pulled away a little bit from God when we are faced with the brokenness in our world. But here's my question today. What do you do to pull yourself back? What do you do to pull yourself back when you feel yourself starting to shift? When you have questions that aren't being answered, when you have stuff going on that you don't know what to to do with it, how do you pull yourself back? And what truths keep you anchored in God, even during difficult times and confusing situations? What keeps you anchored? Listen, we can't afford to base our assumptions on God's character based on what happens in the world around us and what we see in our lives. We actually have to base it on the truth because what happens around us, most of it has nothing to do with him. It is the fallen state of a broken world that is filled with sin. And if we don't know the truth of who God is and we begin to assume that he's He's going to move in ways that that are not his ways at all. We have to have a baseline for what we believe about God that we can always come back to. I started to do this years ago in my own life. Um, And when things look bad, when things don't look like God is involved, when they look desolate, when I have questions, I always bring myself back to my baseline, that God is good, that he is love. I have this own, I don't wanna give it all away because I'm gonna give you a few things in a moment. But I have this baseline for my life that I always bring myself back to and I remind myself of the truth of who God really is because we're not gonna see him in the world. We're gonna see his kingdom revealed in different ways. Faith is being able to trust in the character of God when I can't see the activity of God. And having faith doesn't mean that I don't have questions. I can have faith and have questions and doubts and things that come up in my life and still choose to live and act by faith because I draw close to God to let him reveal more to me instead of pulling away. In the midst of your questions, do you keep coming back to find more of God? Throughout the scriptures, there are examples of forefathers of our faith um, who sought God diligently, and I want to look at just one of those today. There are a lot of people who set themselves diligently and focused on God. But the one I want to look at today is Moses. Because Moses was one who did seek God diligently. He wanted to know God personally. And he's recorded in scripture as one person who knew God and talked to God as someone speaks to a friend face to face. He would go into the tent of meeting and he would seek the face of God. He wanted to know God. So, over the book of Exodus, we see the relationship between Moses and God developing. Right? It it kind of begins at the burning bush. Moses is out in the the back side of the wilderness, and God uh, reveals Himself in a in a burning bush, a bush that is burning, but it doesn't actually burn up. And Moses is like, "Wow, what's that? I'm going to go check it out." And God begins to speak to him, and a relationship begins to happen and their conversation was filled with questions. Moses had so many questions. So God's sending him back to Egypt to rescue the Israelites and Moses is like, hold up, like, who am I to go? I I can't even speak well, why would you send me? And he's like, got all these questions for God and God just keeps, you know, revealing himself. And that's the cool thing is that no matter what Moses's questions were and how Moses questioned himself, God just kept saying, I am, I'm going to be with you. My presence will go with you. You don't have to worry about anything. And in that in that sort of discourse together, that conversation at the burning bush, God tells Moses, I am who I am. It is one of the revelations of God in scripture that basically means who I am, I always will be. My character is consistent who I say I am, you can trust it. You can take it to the bank. It's who I will always be. I do not change. I am who I am. And Moses takes those words and he trusts God. And so he goes back to Egypt. We know the story of the plagues and the Israelites leaving Egypt and they cross the Red Sea and God's doing all of these miracles and he's leading them by a pillar of cloud and and fire by night and he's doing all of this stuff to teach them that they can trust him. And Moses is growing in his knowledge of God in his relationship with God and he's seen all of these things. And we jump forward a few chapters to Exodus 33 and we see Moses is camped now in the wilderness with the Israelites and he continues to go into the tent of meeting and meet with God, it says, When he goes in there there's this reverence about the Israelite people. They stand at the at the doors of their tents and they watch as he goes in and they stand and they pray as he's in there meeting with God. And he goes up to the mountain and in one of his conversations with God he's he's saying to God God's asking him to continue to lead his people and he begins to again, ask God questions. But his questions were different this time. They weren't so self-focused. They were God-focused. He wasn't concerned that he was good enough or that he could speak or any of that. It wasn't about him. But he kept pressing and he kept seeking and he kept asking God, I want to know you. In Exodus thirty-three thirteen, 13, it says, and this is Moses speaking. He said, if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Moses is asking God, teach me. I want to know more about you. I've seen all of these beautiful things, but my heart only wants more. I want more of you. And God responds with a resounding yes. And he invites Moses up onto the mountain. He says, tomorrow, come and meet me on the mountain. And in Exodus 34, we see that Moses goes to the top of the mountain to meet with God and God passes by Moses he says you can't see me I'm gonna use my hand and I'm gonna hide you in the crevice of the rock and I'm gonna pass by and when I do I'm gonna declare my name and I'm gonna tell you who I am Moses was asking God I want to know who you are I want to know about your character and nature I want to know what you represent I want to see your glory and your beauty. Will you reveal to me who you are? And here's what God says. And I feel like this is really important. This moment in scripture in Exodus 34 that we're going to read here. This is a profound moment for the Israelite people. This is the only time where God sort of steps down out of heaven, so to speak and declares his nature and his character. And this portion of scripture that we are about to read is the most um, reused and um, referred to portion of scripture throughout scripture, over and over and over. The prophets and um, you know Jeremiah and Jonah and David, they're all referred back to this portion of scripture we are gonna read. This is ground zero theology for who God is. This is God's baseline for himself he's giving us a reliable source to know who he is so he steps down out of heaven onto the mountain with Moses and this is what he says these words are so important for us and we find them in Exodus 34 he says this the Lord came down in a cloud and he stood with him there and he proclaimed his name the Lord the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth. Maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the consequences of their father's iniquity on the children and grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. This is God. Declaring who he is, and there's so much in this chunk of scripture that we are going to take the next couple of weeks to unpack all of these things that God says about Himself. But I want to leave you today with just one thing for you to walk away with at the beginning. Here, actually, I'm going to point out a couple of things, but one main thing. So first of all, in in this, um, I just read this from the CSB version, um, and many versions say that when God says his name, he says the Lord. Now, I, can't, I don't have time today to get into all of the history of this, but the word, the name that he used for himself, there was actually Yahweh, which was the proper name of the God of Israel. And I believe that he gave himself that name because he wanted to be personally known by his people, that he wasn't just the Lord. That's like calling my husband, Mark, the husband. Right? It's, it, it, is it who he is? Well, yeah, but he has a name. It's Mark, and he is my husband. And so it's like he's saying, Yes, I'm the Lord, but my name is Yahweh, and I want you to know me personally. I know your name. And Moses even said that in his discourse with him in Exodus 33. He says, You know my name. I want to know your name. And so God responds and he says, my name is Yahweh. Now, that was changed at different times because of the law that said, don't um, misuse the Lord's name or use it in vain. The Hebrew people became um, very cautious of how they use God's name or wrote God's name. And so that changed over time. And we know, you know, we've used the term Jehovah if you've been around church for any amount of time. That came way later on, that interpretation of these letters um, that were used at this time. But Yahweh was the proper name of God, the way he introduced himself to Moses in person. And he said, I am compassionate and gracious. Now, there's something I wanna point out just about these words before we close this morning. God chose to use those words, I am compassionate and gracious as the first things he said about himself as he reveals himself to Moses. In writing in Hebrew at the time, you would say the most important thing first. We don't always think of it that way or we don't always know how these things were written. But I think it's really important to note that the very first thing God says about him, which would have been the most important thing for him, for us to know, is that he is compassionate and gracious God. Compassionate means that he is merciful. This is a feeling word. It's how God feels about us. It's like how a parent feels about their children. It's that deeply rooted love and affection of a parent for a child. I'm compassionate. I have compassion on you. I want to see you grow. I know your full potential. I know all this stuff you've done wrong. I know all of it. But I want to see you grow and thrive like a parent loves a child. He's compassionate. It's a feeling word. He started with how he feels about you. And then he says gracious, which means to show grace or favor. Gracious is an action word. So God is basically saying, because of my great love, because of my compassion, I moved to action on your behalf. Because you are my child and I love you, I moved towards action. He's compassionate and gracious. And we see this picture of a God who so deeply loves his children that he responds by saving them. This is why in Matthew where we left off and the ministry of Jesus is just getting started and he calls his disciples and then it says he goes about preaching the good news of the kingdom of God, healing the sick, cleansing the lepers and releasing people from demonic spirits. He was setting people free because he knew the heart of the father was to do this kind of ministry, to have compassion on his children and to act in a gracious way towards them this is the god who wants to reveal himself to us jesus is the greatest revelation of the nature and the heart of the father that we will ever see the father is compassionate and moved with mercy for his children and so because he so loved us he sent his son to save us this is where our story begins This is the greatest revelation of God and this should be our baseline. Just like it was the baseline for the Israelites, it should be our baseline too. So many times throughout Old Testament scriptures, the prophets would call God on this and they would say, remember you're compassionate and gracious, you're loving, these are the things you said about yourself. Don't forget, this is what you told us. We're holding you to this. And this is my baseline when I have questions and doubts and fears. And when I don't understand scripture, I always come back to this. He is a gracious, loving, compassionate God. And he longs to reveal himself to me. So I want to jump back to the question that I asked at the beginning. How would you describe God? Because we just read how God describes himself. So how would you describe him? Would you describe him as a God who loves you deeply, like a parent loves his child? That he is moved to act on my behalf, that he pursued me, and he proved his love for me on the cross, so I will never stop seeking and pursuing my relationship with him. I don't know what your experience is today. I don't know how you feel about God or how this message measures up to what's happening in your life right now. But my challenge is, can you sit in faith in this tension between what you know and what you see? Between what you know about the nature of God and what you see in the world around you. Can you sit in this tension and be faithful? Can you sit there and in faith believe in the nature of God when you don't see the activity of God? Can you sit in that tension and hold it and be okay and press in and continue to ask for the questions instead of giving up and walking away? Will you press in with me? And do you have a good baseline for your own faith? If things don't look like they should in your life right now, what is your baseline? What do you keep pulling yourself back to? What anchors you in God? Is it that he's good and compassionate? Is it that he's a compassionate God and he's gracious and filled with unfailing love, like he said in the scriptures? Is that our baseline for the Father? I just wanna pray with you at the end here. Just close your eyes and I want you to actually think for a moment with your eyes closed. If you were going to describe God right now, how would you describe him? What words would you use in your own language and your own knowledge and experience with him and your own revelation of him? What words would you use? Father God, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice that you would reveal yourself in a greater way, that you would teach us how to lean in when we have questions, when things don't look like they measure up, when things don't look like they add up in our lives, would you teach us how to lean in and to seek you until you reveal more of yourself to us? Would you teach us to be those kind of people like the forefathers of our faith who leaned in and sought you diligently and were rewarded because of that? God, I know there's things that I will never understand in this world and in this life, But at the end of the day, I trust you and I put myself fully in your hands. I know that you are good and that you have good intentions for me. I know that you are compassionate and gracious, full of unfailing love and slow to anger, forgiving iniquity, rebellion and sin. I know that about you. But God, would you continue to teach us and continue to reveal more to us? We want to know you more. Amen.